So we talk a lot about things like gratitude, connections, like getting out of your comfort zone and going and, you know, spending time with friends or making new friends. Um, and we, we, we talk about self-care. We talk about meditation, breath work. Um, and then we also talk about physical health concepts, but every active brand that has ever catered to men before has been about one thing, which is about athleticism, run faster, jump higher, lift more weights. That's how you measure yourself. And as an athlete growing up, that's how I measured myself by the stat board. Did I, how many rushing yards did I get? How many carries did I get? Did we win the game or did we not win the game? And, you know, then you, for me growing up and realizing I want to be a better father, I want to be a better husband, I want to be, you know, a better person. I learned to value things differently and athleticism and movement. I mean, you can see I, my office is a gym. <laughs> I like, I like working out. I like moving my body, but it's not the only thing in my life. And so uh, I just think it's about training and teaching and providing great content to help motivate men to take better care of themselves. Um, we're natural providers. We naturally want to protect and take care of everyone else. But when we neglect to take care of ourselves, we, we, you know, we, we become unable to take care of others. Hey guys, welcome back to another Rest, Eat, Move podcast. This is Matt Johnson. Uh, today is the first ever in the podcast series where we have a special guest virtual and also in person, I have my father, Chris Johnson. So it's a, uh, three of us. We're going to try to go uh, back and forth, but we have a special guest, the CEO and co-founder of Roan. As you can see from head to foot today, um, I'm dressed in Roan. Most days you'll find me in Roan. And so this is kind of a labor of love podcast. Um, Dad, you love Roan. We love Roan. And we wanted to get Nate, uh, check it. And that's how you say it, Nate, right? Check it. Check, check it's with an S at the end, check but that's good. Yeah. yeah check it um, on the podcast just to talk about Roan, talk about his mission and talk about his love and connection to being active, active wear and everything that encompasses. So we were talking before we hopped on about our first interaction with Roan. It was uh, 2013, 2014. Um, gentleman, one of the first employees uh, called our office said, hey, uh, we think there's uh, some collaboration send us some Roan gear and ever since we've been in love with it. Um, and, and I think what you're finding is some similarities with Nate's story and our story and how running a business can be hard, but you know, if you tap into the mission, the purpose, um, anything's possible. So Nate, thanks for joining us. You want to give the listeners a little background on who you are and what Roan is? Yeah, well, it's so great to be with, uh, with you guys and I appreciate you having me on. Um, and it's it's funny to kind of like reconnect almost almost a decade later, and uh, you know have have the companies grow and to continue to be doing what we love. But so um, as you mentioned, Rome was I co-founded Rome with my brother Ben, uh, and it's been just this huge labor of love for us. Uh, we grew up with uh, a mom who was went back to school when we were growing up and became a marriage and family therapist for trauma and, um, and, uh, and, 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 and marriage and family. And so we were like her guinea pigs at home. She had, there were six kids and, you know, always kind of grew up talking about our feelings around the dinner table. And then our father actually worked in professional sports. And so we kind of had this really interesting, like 
balance growing up of, you know, it's important to talk about your feelings and, um, and get really comfortable getting uncomfortable. And then my dad, we would like go out and we would, you know, train and he was, he was really big on discipline and focus and, um, and taking care of your body. And so that was kind of how we grew up, but I was always like very entrepreneurial. So, um, I started a summer camp in my parents' backyard without telling them that I was doing it. And all of a sudden, like my parents started getting calls from family saying like, Hey, your kids are doing a sports camp in your backyard. Um, and that camp ended up running for eight years. I was always like doing lemonade stands and things like that. I started my first venture backed company in college. Um, but eventually I, uh, ended up returning to kind of family roots, um, in the sense that, uh, I got a call from somebody at the NFL after I sold my first startup asking if I would come and consider a position there. So I went, I went to the NFL after doing a lot of like entrepreneurial things and um, I realized a couple of things really quickly. You can love something, but it might not be the right industry to work in. I love football. Football was my favorite sport, but I was miserable working in a corporate office setting. And, uh, and that's when I decided I needed to do something more entrepreneurial, more, um, you know, kind of early stage growth. And the idea uh, came to my brother and brother-in-law about going and building you know, kind of really the next generation men's apparel brand with a with an emphasis on um, kind of active wear to what we call work leisure, and um, it's been it's been an incredible journey. I wasn't admittedly really excited to go into the apparel world, uh, even though I had grown up around a lot of brands. I the thing that really sold it for me is I felt like there was an opportunity to focus on men's mental health. Um, it's a huge priority for us as a, as a brand and as a company, we've held over a hundred, uh, men's sessions, group therapy sessions. We do it every time we open a new store, we hold monthly, um, events in our stores, all related to getting guys to, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable talking about their feelings and also building good social connectivity, because one of the biggest impacts of men's mental health has to do with isolation and men's inability to uh, make new friends, you know, as they get older. So um, it's been it's been incredible. Our goal is to impact positively impact a million plus men and their families, um, uh, as well as outfitting them with the absolute best product, everything from underwear to outerwear. And um, yeah, we've had we've had a good run thus far, but I I still feel like we're you know early stages. So um, really excited about where we're going. So Nate, um, I'm going to jump in real quickly here. Take us back a little bit further. Um, your dad was the GM of the Utah Jazz at age 20, 28. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I was, I was very young. I was barely born. I think I was two and a half when he got that job, but is the youngest uh, general manager in NBA history. And that was the era of Carl Malone and David Stockton, is that was that about the same John, time? John, John, John Stockton. Stockton. Yeah, John yeah. Stockton, sorry. Um, yeah, so he went there in uh, 84 before the draft. And that year, I think they drafted John Stockton. And the next year, they drafted Carl Malone. So he was there for both of those draft picks. And then, you know, of course, the team was uh, was was great with, you know, with great coaching. But when he joined the club, they were $10 million in debt. And the team was considering moving out of state. 
So he was actually the one that found a new owner for the team, Larry Miller, who was a used car dealer um, in the state. And uh, that became Larry's most successful investment. And he, the Miller family just sold the team recently, but um, yeah, that was, that was his, he, he, he brought Larry to the team. That's pretty cool. It was always interesting why they call it the Utah jazz. I never understood that, but that's interesting <laughs> that, you know, where your dad was. Uh, also, I, I was listening to uh, one of your podcasts and take us just real briefly back to, you had this mobile app that you kind of were involved with and you it kind of failed on you. And I thought this was just a fantastic learning from what you, what you said, kind of take us back there a little bit. Cause I think what leads into your amazing success is some of these hurdles you had to go through or you learned along the way. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, real quick on the jazz thing. Uh, it was kind of, it was always a big joke that the, Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Saints were misnamed. It should be the Utah Saints <laughs> and the New Orleans Jazz, but oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. So yeah. So while I was in college, I had this idea for a concept of um, creating a text message-based platform that could you could order food from your favorite restaurant. You could text it in. You know, it happened because I never had time in between classes to like get lunch because I was I took too many credit hours. So. I was like, it'd be so great if I could just text my order in. Texting was on the rise. The iPhone hadn't quite come out yet. It came out in 2007. Then we developed an app for sports stadiums because that was the world that I grew up in. And um, it was the hardest thing I had ever done, you know, like to build a team. I turned down an offer uh, to go work back in New York City with um, a management consulting firm that I was excited about. My parents thought I was absolutely crazy. Um, told me I was making a really bad decision. And we put kind of three and a half, four years of hard work into building this platform. We had all these really cool patents around natural language processing and um, uh, applications. And then, you know, we just realized we were too early. We were trying to sell into these sports stadiums called the Verizon Center, and nobody could download an app on their phone because Verizon and AT&T hadn't figured out how to deal with high density mesh wireless. You know, you have a building that's vacant most of the time, but then for four hours, you know, 80 games a year, it's, it's filled to capacity and the strain and pressure on the cellular networks, mm. they couldn't figure it out. So we ended up selling like buyer selling the IP to um, one of our clients, the San Francisco 49ers, and they went on and turned that technology into a lot of the stadium technology that you see now. You walk into a building, you use your phone to get in, um, you use your phone to order food and it's ready at the pickup window. You can actually check the queue for the bathroom line, how long it is. So that was all initial tech that we had kind of developed in the platform there, but it was not a, it was a, such a tough experience because you know, I like I had these dreams and aspirations of this is going to be so successful. We're going to make all this money. We're going to change the world. And instead, I like barely returned some money to our investors and had to fire uh, all these friends because the company couldn't afford to keep them employed. And then, you know, we're selling the technology and it was so painful. And I, I, I remember thinking, like, what a big mistake. I've just wasted three years of my life. But I look back now and there's no way I could do what we're doing now at Roan if I hadn't had that experience. It was just 
like I needed to go through that pain and hardship and trial and challenge in order to, to really learn from it. Yeah. Cause I thought that was when I was listening to it, I thought that was just a critical, you know, go to like, okay, what did I learn along the way? And I think from there, you, again, you might've thought that was a failure, but as you have ventured in, you have to make mistakes and that's critical. We talk a lot about that, whether it's in the health space or any type of business. I also thought it was really interesting um, that you wanted to get into a, a business and run a company that matters. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So when I started working at the NFL, I was commuting back and forth from Connecticut. So I live in a town where about 60 to 70% of the town commutes into Manhattan. At least that's that was the stat pre-pandemic. I think that number's probably gone down a little bit. But I had about a 90-minute commute each way, which gave me a lot of time on a train to sit and think. And I'd use that time to, you know, to either catch, I called it the great equalizer. If I needed to catch up on sleep, I'd sleep. If I needed to catch up on work, I'd work. But most of the time I would read and I would journal. I used it as a time to like, you know, work on myself a little bit, self-development. And I remember struggling with this fact that I'm like, why am I unhappy working at the National Football League? Like all my friends are telling me what a cool job. And so I felt this sense of guilt, like I should be, I, need, I just need to have a better attitude. But then I sat there and I realized, I think the thing that I'm struggling with is if I disappear tomorrow, they could fill my seat like that. They, in fact, the NFL is not even shy about it. They'll tell you, we've got a stack of resumes, you know, with MBAs ready to fill anybody's seat if you leave. And it's, <laughs> it, by the way, not, not something I'd recommend from a, an HR uh standpoint, but um, I, I just, I, I kind of sat there and I was like, I just don't feel like I matter here. And I feel like if I leave, you know, somebody else could do this job. And by the way, I worked with amazing people. I love the people there, but it just wasn't for me. And you guys probably relate to this when you're doing your own thing. I, I compare it to like, here's a spectrum of, you know, joy and pain. And when you start your own thing, it just gets wider, right? So the high highs and the low lows feel more intense. So then when you go back into a corporate environment, it's like you're going back to this. And anything good that happens doesn't feel that good. And anything bad that happens doesn't feel that bad. And I just felt like I was numb. So I remember struggling with this. And I said, I want to go build a brand that matters. And for me, that didn't mean I was going to go cure cancer because I, I didn't have the ability to, to do that. But I did know that whatever I did next needed to be more than just a company that sold product, right? And, um, and so that's why, and, I, and my eyes and ears started to be open to every opportunity. And that's why when this whole idea of starting a men's clothing brand, I was like, no, the world doesn't need another clothing brand. But truthfully, when I considered what was happening in the world um, and reading a lot of articles. I, I have three sons reading a lot of articles about what it was like to raise boys in this environment. Um, I started to, I started to really believe that we could build a brand that could have a positive impact on the way men move, work, sweat, and think. And, uh, and, you know, it's ambitious, but that's what we've, we've tried to do. So Nate, when you, uh, launch Roan and you launched it with your brother and it sounds like another co-founder. Um, 
you got to build a great fashion activewear um, brand first, probably before you can start to have the impact on the mental. How do you map that out in your head for the vision of the company? Yeah, it's tough, right? Like, I think, I think the 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 brand stuff matters, but truthfully, nobody's going to care about that if your product is inferior. So we would always remind ourselves we can be speaking into a megaphone as loud as we want about mental health, but if there's no size to the megaphone, then it's not reaching anyone. And, um, and so you have to prioritize building a commercial business because what that does is it gives you a platform. I mean, Patagonia is a perfect example of this. They've done such an amazing job of standing for, um, you know, kind of the planet and taking key positions on political issues but that only matters because it's Patagonia and they've got real size. Now they've been consistent from it from the beginning, but nobody cared about them the first 10 years of their business when nobody knew who they were. So we do, we do think about that a lot of, um, you know, we've got to make high quality, we've got to make the best product in the market because we're going against giants of industry who, who's where our, our revenue is a rounding error to their marketing budget. Um, and the only way we're going to win is by making better product and for, you know, standing for something. No, I, I love that. I think um, I, I use the word fashion. That was one of my other questions. Do you, do you consider your company in fashion? What do you it's think of that you, word? It's funny you say that because I've, I've told our team that fashion is a four letter word for me. And the reason why I say that is because, um, it, I think, I think for our customer, we've obviously got to, um, we've got to lead them in the right way. We've got to make product that's well-designed and really functional. I mean, the whole idea of naming the company Rhone comes from the Rhone Glacier in Switzerland and the Rhone River. And it's a beautiful part of the world, but it was also the Rhone River was a functional trade route. So we wanted to build something that was both like aesthetically pleasing, but also very functional. But to me, fashion is trend. It's short term. I don't like things like that. I like things that are enduring. And, um, and the, don't get me wrong. Like we've got an amazing design team. They're always looking at, you know, the right color trends, trying to think about what the right prints and patterns are. But in general, I don't want to win somebody simply because it's got a nice aesthetic to it. It's got to be really, really well made and, you know, made to endure because you know designers come and go uh but great brands and great product lasts so i just think it, it's i have like an adverse reaction to the word fashion but you know there's pro probably be unfair to say that we don't engage with that a little bit no that's why that's why um you know as a follow of your company for 10 years um probably a lot of people friends family didn't think you'd be around in 10 years with all the competition <laughs> In the yeah, space. my my family included. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's one of my next questions. As we're a family-run business, you were co-founded with your brother. Uh, what's the element there? What's the dynamic there? And how how do you, you know, as a fellow entrepreneur, what do you recommend working with family? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I obviously there's no there's no one size fits all. Like for some, it works really well, and for others, it doesn't. For us, it's been a dream. Like it's been such a, a beautiful thing because 
I, re I remember somebody uh, showed me a chart of your life in weeks, right? And um, there's this, uh, I think the guy's name is Tim Urban that initially created this concept. And he basically said something along the lines of, you know, by the time you turn 18 and leave the house, presumably for college, you may have spent, you know, only call it 30 to 40% of your lifespan, maybe far less than that, 20% of your lifespan with your family, but you spent 80% of the time with your parents because now you're going to see them a couple of times a year instead of every day. And I was devastated. Like reading that, I was just like, oh, it was such a gut punch for me. And I thought about, well, that's probably the case with my siblings too. I get to see my brother every single day now. We work together. We're super close. I actually brought my dad into the business recently. And I talked to him multiple times a week. We have a standing breakfast. Um, he's, my, he's my mentor. And, um, and I just think when you, can, when you can combine the things that you love with the things that you're already spending time with, and you and you go in with the right foundation. I tell new hires when we when we bring people in for new hire training, I'll be like, "Yep, I we run this company together, and we're like yin and yang." He's super creative. He runs our product and marketing team. I run, you know, the finance, uh, sales, operations of the business, and um, and we respect each other, you know, strengths. And but I say this company could go to zero tomorrow. We could fail and. It wouldn't matter to me as long as we have our relationship. The most important thing to me in the world is my family. And that's always first and foremost. And it's been great because it's gone really well, but I know he's on the same page. Like there's nothing, we will not let anything come in the way of our relationship and friendship. And we just started with that approach. You know, that doesn't always work uh, with, with families and, um, but I've just been blessed. I, you know, I have, I have five siblings, uh, but my brother, Ben is, is somebody that I feel like I could, I could work with for the rest of my life. So cool. Hey, I got a, I got a quick question for you. So I, 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 again, you're alluding to your brother, Ben, but I, I really thought it was really interesting that Ben was a writer. He's creative. And then he wrote a bunch of copy on kind of telling your story. And I really, I mean, I, the more I've learned about your company, the, again, my son turned me on to you guys many, many years ago. In fact, I was just talking about you guys today. I was, I'm going to uh, Philadelphia uh, next week and I'm doing a training for uh, a large financial company and we have a full day of training. And one of the guys says, are we working out in the morning? I said, yeah, well, it's, I wouldn't really call it a sweaty workout, but we're definitely going to move. And he said, well, what kind of clothes should I wear? I said, you should wear Roan. He goes, what do you mean? <laughs> Love it. I said, you should wear Roan. He goes, it's, it's an active wear that you could go to a board meeting in. You could move your body in and whatever. So, you know, I could see him coming in one of these old Nike sweat outfits. <laughs> and I go, no, that's not, this is getting the, getting the, you know, getting the world today, bro. So it was really funny because I was talking to his key assistant and she said, I'll take care of him. I said, you got about a week and a half to order the product from her own. But it was really funny today because as you start talking about your company, I mean, it's a lifestyle, it's an active wear, it's wellness, it's all for men. But again, and I loved what you were talking about earlier, like, you know, back in the day, you know, my wife would love to go shopping. I hated it. If you said, hey, you could climb, you know, Mount Everest 
I would pick Mount Everest over going a to the mall. A hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, yeah I would come home and she goes, why are you so exhausted? I can't do this. I can't do this, honey. I can't go shopping. You want to go shopping or <laughs> Christmas? No, I don't want to go shopping. And yeah. then you're talking about how men shop differently than, than women. And yeah. I thought to myself, now you're, you're strumming. I, I, I never liked logos. I don't like these big, huge, clunky, yeah. you know, and you guys, I don't know how you hit all the buttons, but I was like, yes, yes. It's all those buttons that I think differentiate men. I mean, we like nice stuff, right? but we don't really like to shop for it. We, I like to call it, I like to fetch. I, and I, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm very, um, I'm very loyal. Once I get something I like, I, I keep buying the same stuff. So my closet looks completely different as you talk a lot about. So, so anyway, I, I, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there, but one other thing I wanted to, I know Matt's got a few more questions for you, but I loved what you said about, let me see, how do I, how do I write this down? He's got to get his glasses about, you know, human capital is your greatest capital. Talk yeah. about that for a minute. Well, you said a lot of things, um, Chris, that I, I feel like matter to um, matter to me. I mean, the first is that, like, you know, on the shopping side, men do shop so differently than women. There was the I I believed. I'm like, there's nothing more exhausting than going to a shopping center with like I. How do I get so tired? I could run. I'm exhausted. I get it. I could run a marathon and be less tired than like <laughs> going and walking around a shopping center. But like, that doesn't mean that guys don't like to shop. It just means that we shop very differently. Like I'm the kind of person that if I'm shopping online, I want to like read everything about it. And I want to like really know that it's the best. And then I only want to buy one just to like test it. And then I'm hooked. And like, that's all I, you know, whereas and it's funny because we do have female buyers buying for the men in their lives. They show up and they buy like a smattering of things right away. They're like, oh, this is great. Let's try it. But men, they buy one thing in one color and then they buy that same thing in like six colors. Um, so uh, so there's that. On the human capital side, uh, it's, you know, the the longer I've been doing this, and I'm sure you guys have, have seen the exact same thing. It's all about the people. You know, you you can't, you can't be everywhere. You can't do everything. And you're not even going to have the best ideas. I, I met with, I do these three month check-ins with all of our employees. And I always say to them, what are you seeing? What's like, what's the insight? And they have awesome ideas because they're, you know, they're just so close to the customer. And I, it's hard, but I think building and, and thinking of your people as your biggest investment is critical to yield the best results. And the hard thing for me was, was learning, you know, I don't know how you guys have felt about this, but each stage is so different, right? Like getting off the ground, it takes a certain skill set, and then scaling and growing and operation, you know, operating. And I'm so proud of the fact that we've had a number of people who have been here for a long time and they've grown with the business and they've evolved with the business. And then we've had some people who are like, you know what, I like the early stage or like there were people... <laughs> We're getting resumes now from people who wouldn't have even considered working with us five years ago because we just weren't big enough. So it's um, it's a balance, but I think it just depends on how you prioritize it. Like, you know, we joked about HR stuff earlier. We don't have a head of HR. We have a head of people and culture. And we use that title intentionally because I want, you know, we we have like 150 people now in our company. And I always remind myself that's 150 families that depend on us. 
um, whose livelihoods, whose mortgages, rent payments, grocery bills, you know, uh, car payments, like they depend on this company to succeed. I feel a huge weight to make sure that the company is delivering and it's a good place where they're going to be spending a significant portion of their livelihood. Um, and we don't always get it right, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give up on prioritizing that. Well, like we said, this is the first time we've done the, the three, the three people. And I got a lot of questions, but we'll try to keep it condensed to a couple more here. But um, as you talk about mental health, and I think one of your slogans is M and then with parentheses health, men's health, but mental health at the same time. Um, what do you see from people that you really wish they could tap into that you learn from your mom or your family or your unique experiences that really gives you this passion, this reason why behind mental health specifically? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a couple of things. I mean, and the, the, the first thing is that um, we are in an age and era where like, it's so appropriate and it's so important and it's really powerful. Um, we're, we've been heavily focused on gender equality and I'm really passionate about that. Um, I actually, more than half of my leadership team is, uh, is made up of really talented women. Um, we're very focused on equal pay and empowerment, but I also think about my boys growing up in this environment where they're at school and they hear it's, you know, bring your daughter to work day and the future is female um, women are graduating at college at a much higher rate than men are right now. And I think you're seeing boys, young men, and now men who grow up, who believe in gender equality, but don't know what that means for them from a masculinity standpoint, almost to the point where every time the word masculinity is used, it's used in a negative context, this idea of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And at times we're trying to solve the men's mental health crisis with the same tools that we are for women. And just, you know, and I get that gender is a tricky topic and I use those terms maybe independently, um, but I'm just, you know, to try and deliver a clear message. In generally, men and women need different things for their mental health. And right now as, as a country, um, it is the highest cause of uh, avoidable premature death um, in, in our country. It's the, I think fourth largest cause of death between the ages for men between the ages of 30 and 45 men commit suicide at four times, almost four times the rate of women. If men are dealing with depression, anxiety, um, or challenges, they're 35% less likely to seek professional help. If they do engage in therapy, 80% of the time, they won't have a second session. So the data is what scares me and what motivates me. And unfortunately, I've lost more than one person, uh, one more than one friend to suicide. And I just genuinely believe that we're not doing enough about it. And part of it is that when we talk about mental health, it's so natural for us to talk about the disease state, right? We talk about anxiety, depression, suicide when we talk about mental health. We don't talk about mental fitness on physical health, if you talk about physical health, you're not like, you don't jump straight to diabetes and cancer and everything else. You talk about, okay, move your body, you know, get a good night's rest, make sure you're hydrating well, 
And so for mental health, what we're trying to do is we're trying to reframe the conversation and say, this is a major issue. We know this is a major issue, but in order for this to get better, you need to be taking care of yourself and take your mental fitness seriously. And that means, and by the way, these things are heavily intertwined. So we talk a lot about things like gratitude, connections, like getting out of your comfort zone and going and, you know, spending time with friends or making new friends. Um, and we, we, we talk about self-care. We talk about meditation, breath work. Um, and then we also talk about physical health concepts. But every active brand that has ever catered to men before has been about one thing, which is about athleticism. Run faster, jump higher, lift more weights. That's how you measure yourself. And as an athlete growing up, that's how I measured myself, by the stat board. Did I, how many rushing yards did I get? How many carries did I get? did we win the game or did we not win the game? And, you know, then you, for me growing up and realizing I want to be a better father, I want to be a better husband. I want to be, you know, a better person. I learned to value things differently and athleticism and movement. I mean, you can see I, my office is a gym. <laughs> I like, I like working out. I like moving my body, but it's not the only thing in my life. And so uh, I just think it's about training and teaching and providing great content to help motivate men to take better care of themselves. Um, we're natural providers. We naturally want to protect and take care of everyone else. But when we neglect to take care of ourselves, we, we, you know, we, we become unable to take care of others. I, I think, I think it's such a powerful uh, mission with, um, also a product behind it. And I don't know if you saw what Giannis said after they got knocked off. Oh in the first my round. gosh. Love it. It's exactly, it's exactly what you're saying is, you know, when we work with people that come to us, they have many issues, you know, cholesterol imbalances, weight loss, but some of them have anxiety and depression and mental health issues. And when you ask them about mental health specifically, they only pay attention to it when there's pain. So if you're anxious, all you want to do when you're anxious is get rid of that anxiety or that anxiousness. But I tell them, what, like, what have you been doing for the other 58 hours in between? And I think that's what you're getting at is it's, it's a routine. It's a fitness, just like it would be where if you're trying to lose weight, you're not going to do it one time when you're overweight. And if it goes back to the weight you want, you're going to stop. It doesn't work that way. So I think what you're after and what Giannis said is, um, they were questioning if it was a failure, his season. Failure, and he just yeah. said, no season's a failure. You're going to learn from it, get better. And if it was a failure, the nine times before Jordan won a championship, was he a failure? So yeah, that's, uh, I thought really powerful specifically, uh, in this space where I think we're, we're going after equality, but I think you're, you got a good point that there potentially is a missing population that also needs to take care of themselves too. Yeah. And I, and, and I mean, I loved what Yana said. I thought it was so powerful and he's such a great example of, of somebody who really tries to live a full life. Um, but part of it is for me, like, you know, I tried when I've, when I've had times where I've been down and my mental fitness hasn't been where it needs to be, you know, I've tried to just, you know, be still, be calm, meditate. And that wasn't enough for me. One of the things one of the missing elements that I do think is more critical for men than it might be for women is it, I really value doing hard things. So be, I, I started to become obsessed with um, ice baths 
And uh, I laugh that it's become such a big trend, but it's like, for me, it was powerful. Intentionally choosing to do something hard, like, you know, going and running a long distance and then jumping an ice bath. Like I, I feel, I feel better mentally when I do those things. I like pushing myself. And I think that that's always been a part of human history and men always knew where they were in society before, but over the last 50 years where we've become less reliant on needing to protect and provide, you know, in some ways it's harder to feel valued. And so by going and, you know, engaging in, in challenges and, and being intentional about it and, and what you guys do is so powerful at the foundation of this pyramid. For me, it's really three things. It's sleep, hydration, and nutrition. And we, I think, are still at the early, early stages of understanding how the food we consume is impacting what's happening between our, our ears. Um, you guys know more than I'll ever learn uh, uh, about this, but it's something I believe so strongly in that, um, you know, you are what you eat in so many ways. And, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's the second brain, the enteric nervous systems, your gut and it connects to the brain and creates the neurotransmitters. Um, yeah, it so many gold nuggets Dad, as you want to maybe ask one more question, we'll kind of wrap it up with uh, my final question. Yeah, Nate, this has really been again, I really, uh, we're really thankful that you, you took the time to to spend with us today. I think you're you're on a mission. I loved everything. About one last point before you ask your final question. The ice bath thing, we're frustrated with this whole, uh, <laughs> this trend because a year ago, I used to be able to go to our health club and sit in the cold plunge like I have for 26 years uh, being there. And now you go there and there's five people trying to get into this cold plunge. So, <laughs> well, and, and, you, and apparently you can't do it unless you get a video of it. So, yeah, yeah. there's phones out. It's just a mess. Go ahead, Dad. <laughs> no. So again, I just was just sharing. I, I really like the whole, your whole vision and your company and you guys, I mean, obviously you guys are making a huge difference and, and the more people are going to know about Roan as time Thank goes you. on, that's for sure. Definitely from our end, we we're promoting the heck out of it all the time. Um, but my last final thing for you would be again, what are some of the greatest, there's two things I want to talk about what some of your greatest challenges and basically your greatest opportunities. What are some of the strategies you do to take care of your greatest asset? And that asset is your physical and mental health. So I just kind of, what are the, some of the challenges you see in your world? And then basically some of the opportunities as we, as I wrap it up on my end. Yeah. Well, um, I just want to say how grateful I am to spend, you know, an hour with you two. You're, you're the kind of men that we seek to outfit. And, um, you know, one of my favorite things is when I hear from somebody like, Hey, my dad wears the product. I wear the product. And now my 16 year old son wears the product. We really strive to build something that, uh, you know, that people are proud of wearing. Um, and, uh, so, you know, in terms of the biggest challenges, I think the thing that I grapple with the most, you know, maybe, maybe this is, um, maybe you mean on the business side, but on the personal side, the thing that I grapple with the most is as we scale, as we grow, it's really hard to, to, um, balance the amount of time that you spend in kind of each of these buckets. And, um, you know, I, I always tell people balance is kind of a myth. When you fly an airplane, you're never like perfectly balanced. You're always just fighting an imbalance. And so what I've found to be most helpful 
is I have time set aside every week for self-assessment. How am I doing? You know, how am I, how am I tracking to my goals? And what I find is I'm usually weighted one way or the other. Like I've spent too much time on work or I've spent too much time on my own, like personal, uh, fitness journey, especially when I'm like training for something, or, you know, there are even times during the pandemic where I felt like I'm spending too much quantity time with my children and family and not enough quality time with them. And, um, there. Survival been there. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's probably, you know, it's, it's hard. I think it's oh, great. I yeah, feel, I, like I feel, that. I feel like, you know, sometimes I'm not good at getting back to everyone that I want to get back to, or, you know, I have friends that reach out that I love and I care about, and I wish that I could see them more than I do. Uh, so, you know, just dealing with the desire to, to, to be more places, um, is something that I, I struggle with and probably is the thing that I battle the most of, of like wanting to be perfect. Um, but the thing that does help me is my routine. And so I was taught at an early age to write down a, an ideal morning and an ideal evening routine. And again, it's not about being 100%, but it's like when you travel, you know what you come back to. It's easier to get back into routine when you know what the routine is you're trying to get to. And so for me, I've got, I've got those set aside. And, um, and it's just like, it, it keeps me so grounded. So um, not to say that I, I like when I travel, it's like, oh man, I, I like almost to the point where I just wish I could be home more, but, um, but I, I love having that balance to go back to. And I find I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm better at my job when I take care of myself, when I get adequate rest, when I move my body and when I'm eating well, and, you know, it sounds like simple things, but you know, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> like, you know, that's the uh, truth. A couple things as I wrap up. So my oldest son is named as after a city in France. And so we're trying to keep that theme going. And we have three kids, uh, oldest boy and then two girls. But if we had another boy, we we're going to name him Roan. And it was uh, kind of a two-part two part piece because I love Roan gear, but we were aware of the Roan River and what it stood for. So uh, we're done with the kids and we didn't have another boy, so we didn't get to name uh, the other kid, <laughs> Roan. But as I, the last question, a quick question, um, and probably a loaded question, but what's an active thing that you're trying to accomplish that you haven't accomplished? So I know I've seen you run marathons in your, your commuter sh shirts and, and do other things, played football, but what's kind of a goal physically that you're aspiring to do in the next little bit or at some point in your life? I've, uh, I've just signed up to do my first triathlon, uh, which is going to be a challenge. Cause I, I don't really like, I, I, I will like do a cycling class, but I don't really like outdoor bike and, um, you know, outside of swimming, uh, like kind of growing up, I really don't know what I'm signed up for. So, um, I just <laughs> they like, say the swimming's I, the hardest. Yeah. They say, I'm going to be the zigzagger, like running into people. Um, but I, I, I don't know. My wife makes fun of me because she's like, she's steady Eddie, man. Like she, she will do, she gets in routine and she will just stay there. I like to have something up on my wall being like, I am training for this. And I think that's the athlete in me that just needs to like have an event to motivate me. 
Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm focused on right now. And, and also just keeping up my oldest is 14 now. And he, um, he joined a, a run club at school. He's in middle school and he's running like two miles every single day. And, um, it was crazy how fast it happened. Like I had taken him out on like a one mile run and I was like having to motivate him. Like, come on, but don't quit. We got this. And then like six months later, he was like, Oh dad, I'll come out on a run with you. And after mile one, we were going to run two miles. I was like, buddy, you got to slow down. I'm going to die. I mean, he's running like six minute flat pace and <laughs> I just, I can't keep up with him anymore. So I just want to, I want to be able to keep up with the, the, I've got three boys, um, you know, as I mentioned before, and I, I, uh, I love Sweet. that you were considering naming your son Rome, but, um, yeah, like I, I, I just want to be able to keep up with them. And I like my biggest goal is to be able to stay healthy, to see my my hopeful grandkids graduate from high school is kind of what I've what I've I've thought about. So well, you you re-motivated me. The audience has heard me say this for many years, trying to break a five-minute mile. Um it's been uh getting harder and harder, but tell your tell your son uh I'm trying I'm trying to keep up with him. Um right now I'm not in the best running shape, but I'm still still trying. So as we wrap this up, I think the biggest takeaway for me is one, uh, Roan's an amazing brand and Thank it has you. awesome products. And I think the positive masculinity is something that needs to be shared more. And I think what you stand for is something we both agree in. Um, it's not about, you know, one or the other, just, just about making sure that everybody's taking care of their greatest asset, which is themselves first and foremost, so that they can give to others. So check out Roan Gear, um, 150 employees, Nate and his brother and the team are doing amazing things. I know you have a couple brick and mortar locations. Where are those at? So we've got, uh, 11 now. Um, we got two in New York, um, two in Connecticut one in Boston, uh, Miami, Jacksonville, Dallas, Houston, um, two in LA and then Chicago. Awesome. Yeah. So you check them out online or if you're in those locations and <clears throat> Nate, thanks for joining us. I got way more questions. So we might have to do a part two, but as we wrap this up again, I think the takeaway is you got to invest in yourself first so that you can give to others. We'll see you again next time. Thanks guys.